So, um, something I felt that I was supposed to share this morning that I want, I want to share in the second service uh, begins with a little bit of a story. Every year, the men in the river go, some of the men in the river go to a thing called Hearts Live and Free. Has anyone here ever been to Hearts Live and Free before? So we have a, a smattering. Um, at Hearts Live and Free, it's essentially a place where men and young men can go to experience healing from past wounds and junk, and at the same time dive into how we can take the lead role in the discipleship of the people around us. And it's always incredible, I've only been there once, so I say it's always, but that sounds better in a sermon. It's always incredibly awkward at Hearts Live and Free for me, because when you get a bunch of grown men worshiping together, they just stand there. Or sit there. And it feels really constipated. (laughs) And so, because of that, um, I understand that there are different personality traits and things like that. Introverted, extroverted, um, or whatnot. But I was at Hearts Live and Free during one of these worship sessions. And we're all staring at the little screen, singing. And everyone's just standing there facing forward or sitting. And... And God just whispers to me. I feel like I hear him. Now, when God speaks, you know, it's not like he has a megaphone. We hear him oftentimes in our thoughts. And so sometimes when people think, oh, I can't hear God, a lot of times all that, all that needs changed is we need to understand how our thinking and our thoughts are being altered by him or moved. And we can always check out our thoughts and what we feel like God might be speaking with the word and with community. And I felt like God was saying, I want you to start screaming my name as loud as you can. And I just thought, oh no. <laughs> this isn't happening right now. God, I, and, and the conversation I'm having in my thought is, God, you know this is going to be really awkward, and people are going to just stare at me. And I felt like he was like, I want you to start screaming Jesus as loud as you can, and I want you to start proclaiming that freedom be in this place. And so... It's that moment when you're torn. You feel like God's leading you to do something and you want to do it, but you feel like, I'm going to look like a complete idiot if I do. And this is, on, this is one of those, those occasions where, and I'm learning to become more obedient to this type of stuff. I just did it. I just started doing it. I started screaming Jesus as loud as I could. And then it turned to, Jesus, set these people free. Jesus, make the, bring freedom to this place. And exactly what I thought happened, happened. Everybody just stared at me, and I felt like laser beams from people's eyes and some of the older men, like not, I'm not talking age, it's not like ageism here, but I was one of the younger guys there, so some of these older guys like looking at me was like, what is he doing? And people are just, it's, it's staring at me, but I didn't stop, and I, I ended up almost, I lost my voice. I was just screaming, and then the strangest thing happened in that room, after about a minute of me screaming at the top of my lungs, the roof just blew off the place. And guys, it wasn't like, you know, sometimes we talk about you should cheer for God like you cheer at a basketball game. And sometimes I I, I get that and sometimes I don't understand it. I think it's something that, that we can just, we can say because it's easy to say. This wasn't necessarily that. It was a bunch of grown men just worshiping and thanking God for who he was, and our focus shift from, shifted from staring at the screen and standing there and potentially feeling uncomfortable to just 
like a freedom in our, in our limbs and in our voices. And I, I just believe that some, that baby agrees with me. I just believe that there was something greater going on in the spiritual realm right then. And so knowing that there are different types of personalities of people, and knowing that um, everyone, is, everyone is different, I really felt impressed to share this with, with, with the men in this place, and even, even the women, but I felt impressed to share it with the men, and I don't think that means it's not for everyone, because the Bible can be like speaking to men, but it means everyone. Um, so is there a guy in here that doesn't have a pen? Because I would really like you to write this down. Anyone need a pen? All right. And, and when I say it, your mind's going to go, oh, I don't know about that, and all these, this big theological debate and personality debate's going to come. But I just, I feel like I'm supposed to share it. Your freedom in worship is directly tied to, if not will equal, your freedom in life and your freedom in your family. And I mean specifically worship as in music. When we're singing together in community. Your freedom in worship is tied to, if not equal to, your freedom in life and the freedom for your children and your spouses. Think about it. I know there's people out there going, no, 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 God doesn't change. And, you know, we have different personalities. You made us all different. Just maybe it's for you. And maybe you're one of those people who's been like, I really feel like God has wanted me to be free in this place. And my stomach's in a knot. And I just... I. My, my humanity wins out every time. Um, just know that. Know that your freedom is tied to things that are greater than your moment of comfortability or uncomfortability. So, there's a, there is a story that we have been told as children and has been in movies, and there's been several different versions of it passed around that I want to share with you this morning. And it essentially goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a princess. And she was a princess who was on a trajectory to become a queen. And she was a princess who, on her trajectory to become a queen, was ruling the land and caring for creation. The animals, the trees, the people. She was super kind, and everyone loved her. And she was a ruler. But she had... A stepmom who was a very evil queen who had actually killed her father. And this stepmom, not wanting this young woman to become the next ruler, convinced her to eat a poisoned apple. We're hiding an apple this morning for kids because it symbolizes that. We also have a tree, a sun. A little person who is neither male nor female. And a snake hidden around here. So kids, if you can spot them, you win the billion dollars. From Will Crooks. (laughs) This queen convinces her to eat the poisoned apple. And in so doing, moves this princess into a trance that she cannot get out of. Until a prince who loves her very much comes along and kisses her. And when, 
adults, you're not supposed to be looking for the stuff. Okay? I'm telling a really important story. Until this prince comes along and kisses her, it frees her from the trance, and she can become a ruler again. I believe that story, although fictional, was stolen from a very real story that we read about in Genesis chapter 3. And that story goes like this. God put humans in the Garden of Eden to be rulers. He put us in this world to rule the land, to care for creation. And when he made us rulers, it wasn't so that we could sit on a throne and dictate what people did or be in charge all the time for our own pride. Like, you know, sometimes many men in marriages are. But he put us as rulers in charge so that we could care for everything else. Whether it be the animals, the land, or the people. No matter how the same or different, so that we could care for them. We, we see this proven because Adam was even given the responsibility, kids, to name the animals. I'm not convinced he did the greatest job of this. He starts off very strongly, okay? Adam's given the responsibility, and he's like, hippopotamus. And God's like, all right, I really created a creative guy here. I didn't even know that was a word. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Man, he's just rolling. But then as it goes on, it's like Adam got incredibly bored. And he's just going, God... How many animals are you going to make? Fly. It's flying. Can I be done? Thank you for laughing at that. For humoring me. But a crafty and wicked serpent shows up and convinces these people to eat a poisoned fruit. Which just like I found the trees the other day, this is the exact exact fruit that Adam and Eve ate in the garden. Just kidding, it was a watermelon. (laughs) Neither of those statements were true. Convinces them to eat this poisoned fruit and in so doing puts them in a trance where they cannot think correctly about themselves. Free Hebrew lesson for the day because I can use Google just like you. The word in Genesis 2.25 that describes Adam and Eve in the verse reads, they were in the garden with God, they were naked, and they felt no shame. The Hebrew word for that word naked is a word that sounds like this, arom, and it means nude. Of course it does. However, when we get to Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, a very different word is used. And I want to read those verses to you right now. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, the famous chapter on the fall, we're going to start in verse 7. Adam and Eve had just eaten the fruit. 
And moments after, we read the following. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now, English has a few less words probably than Hebrew, so we get the word naked twice or three times. In Genesis 2.25, it means nude, but in those two times that it's used in 8 through 10, it is the word irome. I think it would be like A-Y-R-O-M-E is how you would spell it versus A-W-R-O-M-E. So they're similar, but they mean different things. And I roam when God said to, when Adam said to God, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. That word means lacking appropriate covering. It still means naked, but there's something else added onto it. Lacking appropriate covering. So Adam and Eve, they move from a place of being completely naked and cool with God to a place where they're still completely naked, but now they feel as though they are lacking appropriate covering. The only thing that changed was in their head. Just think about it. They're with God. They're naked. They're fine. Now they're with God. They're naked. And they believe that they're not good enough. And so obviously they start trying to fix themselves. Typically if I was a fantastic teacher, here's how this, here's how this sermon would go. I would drive that point home about 20 more times. And then I would, I would just, you would be just on the edge of your seat like, where's he going? Where is he going? Where is he going with this? Okay, Adam transitioned from this place of naked and no shame to this place of naked and shame. And then I would just punch you in the face with one statement. And that statement would be this. Just like Adam and Eve heard God in the garden, saw that they were naked and hid, so do we hear God feel insecure or afraid and hide from what he's saying. But instead of manipulating you and bringing you on that roller coaster, I'm just going to say this instead. Just like Adam and Eve heard God, saw that they were naked and became afraid because of that, and hid, so we, hear God, feel as though we are not enough for the thing that He is communicating to us, and so we hide. We want to be, it's okay that kids are playing in the back. I just want you to know. It's, we don't need to go spank them or anything. They're, they're, they're free. It's great. So just, just try to focus in. Try to listen in. We feel the call to be rulers. We feel it deep inside of us. 
That God has created us rulers, and the purpose that he has created us rulers for is to care for creation, to care for the people in creation, no matter how alike or different than us they are, no matter where they are, no matter what's going on in their lives, we're supposed to care for them, and we're supposed to care for the rest of creation, and we feel that call, and we see that call, and we see a lot of brokenness in the world, and we feel it inside of us that God is speaking that to us, and then we say, but I, I'm not enough. I'm messed up myself. I can't get anything together. And for God's sake, I am not going over there because that's too dangerous for me. And that's too dangerous for my children. We might get shot. We want to go to these places that desperately need God's kingdom. And yet we're terrified. And so we hide. Or we retranslate what we think God is saying in our heads so it fits a little better. And we hide that way. It's a curse, guys. That's a curse. It happened at the fall. And it's a curse that desperately needs broken for our sake, for the people whom we might be going to's sake, for our family's sake, and for all of the people we come in contact to for the rest of our lives. It desperately needs broken. Do you know the difference between people who do something about the brokenness in this world and the people who hide from it? I will tell you. The people who do something about the brokenness in this world do something. Write that down. And the people who hide from it, hide from it. The people who do something, do something. And the people who hide, hide. I have a nephew. His name is Maddox. He's four years old and he will jump off of anything. Because he knows that I will catch him or his daddy will catch him. He will run full speed off this stage and just jump. One time he ran off of marble steps that were up really high. I was on the other side of the room. He turned out to be fine though. And he just face planted. But it didn't stop him. It can be on the hood of the car. It can be off the steps. It can be off the stage. It doesn't matter. He is totally fearless to run and jump off of anything because he knows I will catch him. And the reason that he is not afraid of that is because the fear of falling and what might happen if he takes that risk, has not yet wrapped itself around him and convinced him that jumping is not a good idea. He doesn't know any better. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they learned something that they were never supposed to know. They learned that to run and jump might be dangerous and they might hurt themselves. They learned that to go to a new place where people are different from you, where you can bring the kingdom to, to a broken world, might be too dangerous for you and you might get hurt. And what's funny about that is God's response to them. He doesn't show up and say, you idiot, I can't believe you ate this fruit. I can't believe you did that. I told you not to. You must have not listened. Can you not follow instructions? Were you... Were you drawing on a tree or something when I told you? He doesn't do any of that. 
in, in chapter 3, verse 11, right after Adam says, I heard you in the garden. I saw that I was naked, and so I hid. God says, who told you that? Who told you you were naked? That's not something you're supposed to know. That's not something you're supposed to align your life around. You're supposed to be able to run full speed and jump off of anything because I will always catch you. You're supposed to be able to dive into the most dangerous situations and the most scary places. And you're supposed to be able to go in unabandoned, completely trusting me because I will protect you and I will go with you and I will bring transformation and I will bring change. But for some reason, we feel afraid. Who told you you were naked? Who told you that you couldn't do something? Who told you that you were so messed up that you couldn't be free? Who told you that you don't deserve God? And who told you that you can't hear God's voice and then step in obedience into the crazy stuff He's calling you to because you're not good enough? Who told you that? Because the thing that told you that wasn't God. I hope this is beginning to penetrate your mind more than it is with just me asking. I hope that right now we are all taking a moment and pausing and allowing God to ask that question because he's the one that asked it to Adam and Eve. Let him ask you. Who told you that you were naked? The thing that told you that you were naked wasn't God. God was not the thing that told you you were not enough. He was not the thing that convinced you that you couldn't step into something dangerous and be obedient. That thing wasn't Jesus. It was you. You told you that. Sometimes we say the devil told me that. You told you that. You may have made an agreement with some fear that was, that was whispered to you through a, through a father wound or someone said something to you sometime, but you were the one who told you that. Not God. But guess what? Jesus wants to tell you something very different. There's a mantra at the river where Rob always goes like this. Hello me, hello God. Jesus wants to tell you something different. And, and, and he would go as far as to say in John eight thirty two that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's less of a comprehension and it's more of an apprehension. Comprehension is when something makes sense in my head and an apprehension was whether or not it makes sense or not, I can reach out and I grab it. I think that's what he's calling us to. You shall know the truth and you shall be moved into a realm where you can step into dangerous things. You shall know the truth and you sh- can stop becoming someone who hides. And you can become a king again. A queen again. 